0: Um, So for those of you that don't know, myself and my husband and my two lovely girls who are sitting at the table here, Ariane and Lauren, and Alex, who I have no idea, I think he's taken my husband for a walk. (laughs) Um, Obviously for us, adoption is very close to our hearts. We we adopted Alex back in um, February, the 18th of February, and he came home with us at the beginning of March. Um, And so some of what we share today is a little bit of our story, or at least some of the story that was Alex's when he was in in China. And so the photos that you see today are all children that he was in care with in China. Um, Please don't take any photographs of the slides because it is sensitive where he comes from, so please don't um, take any photos of them, but I'm allowed to share them with you here. Um, So... Adoption is about children who have been relinquished. For whatever reason, their families have relinquished them. Um, And we celebrate, when we adopt them, we celebrate them coming to their forever home. And I just love that, because that's what God is like for us, isn't he? He brings us to our forever home with him. Um, And the last few weeks have been a real... Um, testimony to us as a church about what what a difference that makes. You know, we had Jonathan who passed away suddenly. We had um, Mary Kempson that passed away suddenly. And although those things are incredibly sad, they're also incredibly joyful for us because we know that they've gone to be with God forever. And that's just amazing. And so these things that we go through that are bitter have sweetness to them because he's adopted us forever. And so we stand with him forever. So that's a little girl from the orphanage where Alex lived, the foster home orphanage where he lived. Um, and, yeah, so I thought I'd put her little face up there. She's actually been adopted as well since since I was over there. Um, okay. Um, so in... Um, Isaiah 1 verse 17, there's a challenge in there when um, the, of how we could be living as churches. And I think as churches and believers, there's always a challenge for us to be leaders in whatever area people need God to meet with them, isn't there? Like you know, in housing people, we should be the ones that are most forefront in in helping to house them. In over the winter time, when people are on the streets and cold and hungry, we should be the ones that are leading, that are opening the churches to people to let them come in and have a warm place to sleep and something to eat. We should be, as a church, we should be on the forefront of leading in stuff. And um, in the scripture, Isaiah one verse seventeen, it says, "Learn to do good." seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, and fight for the rights of widows. And we should be, as a church, we should be on the forefront of of making a difference in people's lives that are in need. If we can't lead God's love I, you know, I I'm amazed sometimes in how people that don't know God love and care for people I just, I'm like wow there's just something deep in our spirits that actually we just love to give and to share but when you're a Christian that should be even more of a drive that actually God has these, these people in their hearts and so Isaiah 1 verse 17 is a real challenge for us I think as a church and then it goes on Jeff on the next one in James 1, verse 27, it says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means care for the orphans and widows in their distress and, re- and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's an interesting scripture, isn't it? That pure religion means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refuse to let the world corrupt you. Um, And James is writing there, you know, that whole chapter one is to Christians about how they should live, how they should be choosing to live their lives. And as part of that, that's what he draws out as pure and genuine religion in the eyes of God is to defend the orphans and the widows and refuse to let the world corrupt you, reminding yourselves of how he wants us to live. So, this, I'll tell you a little bit about the photos as we go, <laughs> just to share a bit of Alex's. So, at the top, that's the staff that looked after, well, some of the staff that looked after Alex, where he was in care. I was actually holding Alex there, but you can't see, he's asleep in my arms. Um, and this is the first time that I'd met Alex, um, myself, and a colleague, and Ariane went over in 2016, 17. <laughs> And um, and just volunteered in, a, in in an orphanage there. Um, it's kind of a you know, um, children from the main big orphanages are often shipped out to smaller um, home orphanages or foster care, um, where the children can be better cared for in smaller numbers. And so Alex was in a home like that. Um, and so those were just some of the staff there. Now, a lot of those, they call them ayes, the ladies that look after them, aunties, the ayes, look after the children. And some of those ladies, not all of them are Christians, but the majority of them are Christians. And some of them don't get paid to go in there to look after those children. And yet they're in there on shift work, come, you know, hell water. They're there um, looking after the orphans on, on different shift works. Um, and in China, they, you know, if you're not earning money, it's not easy. They do not have a lot of money, these families. They really don't. And so some of them have given up their time to just go and care for these orphans because they see it as such an important um, call for them. But I wonder what it looks like for us. If we're going to celebrate... Um, looking after orphans and children in care in this country, what does that look like for us? What does, what does it look like? Because not all of us are going to adopt. That's just, you know, that's not God's plan for everyone. But it is his plan that we all look after them in some way. And so what do, might that look like um, for us as we are sitting here today, for those, you know, in our communities? So in, I think there's a great clue in the Bible where God talks about adopting us. And so I went to this scripture, Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 5, in the, in the New Living Translation. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before... He made the world. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing Him, by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do. He wasn't being twisted His arm. He wanted to do this, and it gave Him great pleasure in how he adopted us into his family. And so I thought, well, actually, that gives us a great idea of then what it might mean for us. (coughs) So if we look at he loved us before he had relationship with us, I wonder if we could find ways to love children who have been relinquished. We don't have to go and adopt them, but I wonder if we could find a way to love them before we even know who they are You know, in some ways, when I met Alex when I was out in China, so he was kind of in my heart for two years until we actually got him home with us. So it was, in some ways, in some ways it was a nightmare, but in some ways it was easy because I had him in my mind. I knew what he looked like. I knew a little bit about his personality. But actually for us, can we find a way to show love to those who have been relinquished when we still don't even know their name? I'm just um, Christine and, and um, Jeff showed me a photo this morning that their son Seb had sent them from Africa, and it's of this little African boy dressed in absolute rags. And their son Seb had, you know, been working in their community with them, and he said these children don't even. A lot of them don't even have names. They just relinquished on, you know, left to fend for themselves, and a lot of them don't even have names. But how can we care for these children? How can we demonstrate love to these children, even when we don't know who they are? And then, (laughs) that was the first time I met Alex, the first two weeks I was there with him. He chose us, God chose us. And we can choose to, to support specific children or charities or people that go and work with these children. You know, we had, a, we had a friend years ago who lived in South Africa, and he wasn't really skilled. He didn't have any, you know, he hadn't done any specific training, but he just loved China. For him, China was something really on his heart. And he really wanted to go and work in um, an orphanage and just support children that were in care. And he was like, I know that God has called me to this, but I have no money. He needed money to go. And and people just got behind him for years. He was there for about 15 years. He didn't earn a penny in that time because he couldn't. He couldn't go and work there. He, didn't have, he wasn't a teacher to teach English or anything like that. But people in our church in South Africa had just got behind him and said, we know that God has called you to this. We will fund your time going. So none of those people went, but they helped him to go because they knew that that was what God had put on his heart. So we can, we can find specific charities or um, people that have a heart for these children and we can get behind them. Things like Compassion. The, one, the charity that looks after Alex was called Heart for Kids, which is based in um, Australia. Um, and so we can choose to get behind them and help them. And some people, because of it, um, fertility difficulties single. singledom, oh, sorry, no, go back one. I was on my last point there. Oh, well, We can choose to adopt. We can choose to. Some of you sitting here might actually have been feeling for a while that that's what God wants you to do or to foster. Some of us can be involved in that way. There's a few churches around the country that have looked at the stats of children that are in care and said, we want to make a difference to that. So as a church, can we please train up our families and our our singles and whoever has got a heart for this, train them up so that they can take all the children out of the care system and foster them in our homes. And there's a few um, places around the UK that have done that. There's been no children left in the care system because the church has cared for them. How incredible is that? That's amazing. So, God might be challenging us to actually choose to adopt or foster. God also decided in advance to adopt us. Before He knew us, He decided in advance. There's a church in Basingstoke called um, Gateway Church, and they have a huge number of young people in their church. And there's there's, um, married couples and singles in that church that are choosing to adopt before they try for their own children because they feel that God has put that as a call on their lives. So some people might feel, actually, my children tell me, I'm not having my own children. I'm adopting children. (laughs) I don't know whether that will last, but they're they're not doing the whole childbirth thing. (laughs) But some people choose to, that they want to adopt um, instead of having their own birth family. And then some people, because of difficulties in fertility or because they're single, decide to adopt. And that's incredible. You know, it it's, will change their lives forever, but they, they will choose to do that. Okay, and now in terms of kind of, you know, what, what else can we do if we are supporting our churches, people in our churches or people in our communities that are choosing to adopt or to foster. What can we do? And it says in that Ephesians, it says, God poured out his grace on us. Now, anyone who has um, fostered or adopted will tell you that they need grace in abundance. They call it, when you parent a child who has been in care, they call it parenting plus. And it's because they recognize that there's additional that are needed every day to support these children as they develop. It's parenting plus. And so as the people that are around in your communities or around in our churches, we can extend grace to those families that are looking after those children and understand that actually life for them is not always easy. You know, we're trying to, you know, God... God, um, he puts us in families, but he changes us as we're there. And there's stuff that has happened that they need support to overcome. And that's, that it's hard. And so if, if we can extend grace to them and support them in that journey, that is just, it's, it makes all the difference for those families. And understand that they often have to juggle a lot more than, you, than, you, than we know you know, often as if we're onlookers and we look at into a situation of something that's happened, the kid's kicking off or, you know, do, uh, that's not bad parenting. Often it's trying to unpick what's gone before and trying to support them in the right way so that they can bring them out. And, you know, I've been incredibly grateful. The one day Cameron here, Cameron's not here today, but Alex was, you know, fiddling with wires and, you know, and he could have just been really harsh with him. And he was so gentle with him. Oh, Alex, come away from there, you know. I was just like, wow, that's grace. That's grace. This morning with Jerry at the back, Alex went to go and try and fiddle with the soundboard. And he, Jerry just picked him up onto his lap, put the headphones on him, and he stopped fiddling, and he just sat there and listened to these sounds coming through. That's grace. That's, that's, ex, that's us extending grace to children that are trying to figure out what's family looks like, what, what being part of a family looks like, and your, uh, their friendships will need grace and understanding, because there'll be decisions that those parents make in the moment, or as they're kind of interacting with your children, that, you know, you wouldn't normally tolerate, you know, my parenting with my girls is very different now to my parenting with Alex because I have to consider other stuff that's in the mix. And I know when I'm out and about sometimes, I have people looking and they think, you know, I don't know what they're thinking, but it looks like I'm being judged. It looks like they are saying, get your kid under control, you know? And part of me just wants to explain, you know, just stop for a minute, let me tell you his life story. But actually, it's got nothing to do with them. But if we see people that are struggling, extend grace to them and understanding to them. We never know. And that, you know, it doesn't only apply to to children, does it? It applies to everyone. We should always be extending grace to others. We never know what they're walking through. And it's so easy for us to stop and judge them. So, yeah, extend grace like God extended grace to us. God is rich in kindness to us. And this is a little bit of, I think, grace and kindness go hand in hand. He, he is rich in kindness to us. And there's daily battles that these families have to face. And we don't understand them. And it's not your place to try and understand them. Unless you are a person who's really close in supporting their network, you know, you don't need to understand all the ins and outs. But it would be really helpful if we extend kindness to them. Extend kindness and understanding. God gave up his life for us. And I love this. Uh, you know, this this man, Dave and Beth, am trying to remember this, their surname, Ryan. So I met them... Um, through, I hadn't actually even met them. I just emailed them and said, we want to come and um, do some work in the orphanage in China. We would so love to come and bless bless the children that are there. Do you want us at all, you know, for two weeks? He was like, yes, come over. We'd love to have you. And he's an amazing Christian man. And in 1990, I can't remember the exact date, let me tell you. In 1996, I'm just going to read you this, and it says. And it says, before 1996, David had no thought of ministry in China, but that all changed when he took part in a bike team that was like a thing to raise money and heard God's call for a change in direction. Till then, he saw his future solely in the Sydney business world. That was his plan, and he was successful at managing both the family business with his father for 20 years and also a business he had founded himself in 1985. But that team, his first step into China was to change everything. He resigned from working with his father and entered Bible college, gaining his Bachelor of Ministry in 2000. And then he went on from that to form um, Heart, uh, sorry, China Hearts, which was a charity that just worked into China only, um, supporting widows, orphans, um, setting up a little bit like Compassion, setting up um, sponsorships to get children through school and college. Um, and then that did so well that two years ago they've extended it to now work in Indi- India and Indonesia as well um and they just it's just volunteers you know that they give their time mostly i mean some of it obviously it has to be um some paid but they have hundreds of people working all around the world supporting the work that they do and you think that was from one man just hearing god god what do you want me to do what do you what does this mean for me what do you want me to do and out of that, there's hundreds of children's lives are being changed, and he likes to use the, the phrase rewritten. This is lives being rewritten in the kingdom of God as these children, their trajectory their for life changes forever. And so I wonder for us, how, what, what is God challenging us to do? What, is there anything that has been sitting with you? How could you give up your life for a child who is relinquished? I would start always with praying and asking God, because it may be that he doesn't want you to focus on that at all at the moment, and that's fine. So pray and ask God and see whether there's anything he wants you to do. Does he want you to financially support an organization or sponsor a child somehow or sponsor someone who's working in doing some work like that? Can you pray for them? You know, I get emails from, Chin- from um, Heart for Kids to just say, We've, we, we're stuck the, the authorities are trying to take all the children out of our care and put them back in the main orphanage. Please pray that that doesn't happen. You know, if they go back into the main care, it's like um, one adult to 40 children under the age of five. You can imagine what that amount that care looks like. It's non existent. You know, they, they don't even get fed, they just get left with a bottle and food by them. Good luck if it goes in your mouth or not. But can we cover them in prayer so that, we, so that they can do the work that God has called, called them to do? Can we offer any practical help to, to anyone who's involved in this work? You know, some of the foster carers that I know, they just say, when a child that has been in foster care with me leaves my home, the hardest thing for me to do is to change the bed and tidy away all their stuff. Because they love those children. So you, can we go and say, I'll come in, I can change the bed, I can wash all the bedding for you, and I can get it ready for you for the next child? You know, what can we do practically? Can we have, our church is amazing at providing meals for people to help them when they have that handover of children, or, you know, they've got to be called on the, the last minute to go and get a child who's, who needs to be put into emergency care. How can we practically support people that are on the front line with this work? And then we might want to adopt. You might, God might want you to adopt. Okay. So God gave up His life for us, and I just thought I'd show you a couple of photos here of you know love really does make a difference, and you know, and it's and and I can tell you that when people adopt or they foster, they're in a whole village of people. You know, I, Richard and I felt very um, supported by this church, particularly in the run-up to two years of waiting for him to come home. And with every child that you see who gets to live life differently, there's a village of people behind the difference that happens in that child's life. And this is a little one that we met in, um, in Dove's Wings, where Alex is from. And she would just sit in a corner and rock herself from side to side, side to side, and her head ended up, you can see she's got very little hair there, they did shave it as well, but, um, but because she rocked so much, she had bald patches all over her head, because that she just wasn't used to, she had come from the main big orphanage and then was put into the smaller one, and she wasn't used to being loved and cared for. And she's gone, I'm actually in contact with these families. They're spread all over, mostly in the States. Um, and that's her now with her mum. And you can just see the difference in her eyes. Can you see how alive her face is? She just, you know, she sends me videos of this child. And she's just engaged in life. She doesn't sit in the corner and do her own thing. She's completely engaged with this family. Um, and is just an absolute delight to them. So yeah, and that, that's actually a. Um, she's actually got grown-up children. So her children have all grown up, left the home. She's got. They've got their own children, um, and she's gone back and adopted to start again. <laughs> and this is a little boy called Callum. Um, Callum was um, also with um, with Alex, but in a separate. There were two um, flats, and Callum was in one of the other flats. Um, And this lady has actually adopted, you can see the middle picture, she's adopted two other girls from Indonesia, and Callum is their third adopted. Um, And he would just, we used to call him, my children tell me I shouldn't call him this, but I used to call him Mr., him and another little girl, Mr. and Mrs. China, because they were these tiny little things that could just about stand on their feet, and they were inseparable, these two kids. And everywhere, you know, in the, um, in the home, they would always just be standing together and rocking together and just watching what was going on around them. Um, and so that's him. When they first brought him home, very little engagement. And you can just see the delight on his face now. You know, it, it's um, life-changing. And then this is little Alex with Ariane and myself, the first year that we met him, and you are all very aware of him when he's here, wandering around, he's very can be very loud, but he, you know, it's been amazing, he's changed so much in the time that he's been here, he had no English, he had a few Mandarin words, he now has only kept one Mandarin word, everything else is English, um And you know just he 's changing week on day on day week on week he is, we see progress in him um, and you know we 're just so grateful that we can love him that he can be part of our family um, and for the people that have walked with us on this journey um, so I just wanted to share one other thing we 've got we 've got five minutes and then um we 'll wrap up um but um, I didn't know how long this, story, this was going to take me to say so I wasn't going to share this bit but I wanted to desperately because I think for the, the two things that I really felt for this morning was that the one is is God challenging you in any way to support children in care and please go away and pray for that and ask God if there's anything that he wants you to be involved in um, and then the second thing I really felt to share was that Alex, Alex for, for me particularly, has been a lifelong thing that God has spoken into my life. Um, and, and God speaks things into our life over time, and they don't always come at the time he speaks them. They often are years later that we actually see God's plan coming to be. And I think the danger for us is that we forget what he's spoken over us, and we let those things go cold because we haven't had a word lately about it, or we haven't felt you know, God particularly pinpoint us. But actually, God wants us to remember the words that he's spoken over us. Um, My dad, my dad's actually not here today. He would have been here. They're gutted they can't be. But um, my brother came down unexpectedly for the weekend, and he won't step into church. So my dad and my mom, rightly so, are with them this morning. Um, But my dad was um, an, um, an orphan when he was growing up and experienced what it is to not have care and not have love. And um, and when I was little, my dad always used to take me to orphanages, like over Christmas time, and that in South Africa it's a big thing. There's loads of children's homes and orphanages and things that you can go and visit and you know do stuff with the kids. And my dad used to take us always, you know, to go and visit, to take presents to them, to go and play games with them. And I remember in my heart walking into those places, thinking, "I want to do this. This, I want to be a part of this." And I was. Tiny. I can't even remember how old I was when I first went. I must have been about three or four, and um, and then a, a few years. I think I was about seven, and I woke up one morning and I'd had a dream, and I went to my mum. My mum was a new Christian, and I went to my mum and I said, Mum, I had a dream last night, um, and I, it's it's like it's so. I, I just felt like I was burning, and she said, Tell me about your dream. So I said, Well, I was at this park at this children's play park. And there was all these equipments, this play equipment all over in this secure, um, in this fence. And I was standing outside the fence, and these children were inside, but they couldn't climb. They couldn't slide. They couldn't swing. They couldn't do anything. And as they were standing there not being able to do anything, the park was flooding, and water was filling up, and these children couldn't get out. And as I stood there, I was... I think even in my mind, as a, as a child in my dream, I was praying. And God said to me, stretch your arm out. And I put my arm out. And you're like in that um, movie where who's got the, the strong, stretchy arm in, I can't remember, Fantastic Four or whatever. They stretch their arm out and it becomes this long, slinky arm. And, um, and in my dream, I stretched my arm out. And as I put my arm out, these kids were grabbing onto my arm. And I could bring them out of this park. And it's stuck in my head always. And my mom said, that's from God. You need to write it down and you need to pray always about what God wants you to do with that dream. How incredible is that? My mom had the wisdom to, to say that. And so I've always grown up knowing one day, one of the things was one day I'm going to adopt. And from China. China's always been on my heart for some reason. Um, and that word had such an impact on me that when I met Richard, he's not in here today, he's walking, but when I met Richard and things between us started to get serious and we were talking about maybe getting married, I said to him, Richard, one day I'm going to adopt from China. So if that's not something that you want to do, don't marry me. was <laughs> And he, he, he said, that's fine. I'm totally behind that. One day we'll adopt from China. Um, and then, obviously, we had our goals first, um, and um, and but they've grown up knowing we're going to adopt one day. I've told them all the time, one day we are going to adopt. And about five years ago, they started saying to us, "Okay, well, come on then. You said we're going to adopt. Where's this child?" Um, but you, God speaks to us because He wants us to, you know, and He wants to live. He, he wants to. Put dreams in our heart, and he wants to fulfill those dreams. So that was the other thing that I just wanted to leave you today to challenge you. What things has God spoken to you that you've let go cold? And can you go back and read those words and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? What do you want to do with my life? What thing in my life do you want, to, want me to give up or change so that this can become um, reality? I've asked Karen if she'll come and just pray for us in closing.
1: Jeff, could we have the, I think it's the last verse of the Wren Collective one that ends in, we pray? Not. Okay, don't worry, <laughs> probably not. Um, Can we just pray? Yeah. Loving Heavenly Father, I do thank mm. you that you first loved us. Mm. that you have given us such an amazing capacity to love. I thank you that you have placed in each of our hearts a different story, a different journey. Mm. And yet each of us plays a part. Mm. And Lord, I just pray that you would fan the flames of our love, of the things that you've been saying to each of us this morning. And I pray that you would make us instruments in each and every conversation, in every path that we walk this week, next week, and forever, help us to be your love Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: your light. And especially, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be practical. Mm -hmm. Help us to draw alongside foster carers. Help us to draw alongside those whose children are struggling at home. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Help them not to become a statistic, Lord. Help those families to get the help they need before they become a number. And loving Heavenly Father, I just ask that you would pour out more of your love this morning to us so that we can pass it on. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.